0: And I think this is this is a really good question, I think. When is it okay to seek advice outside of the marriage? You may be one
1: choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Ryan and Jennifer Hartley. All right, welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. So happy to have you joining us, and happy and, anniversary, sweetheart. What? Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not missing anything. Okay, not that not anniversary. That anniversary was we us celebrated getting that. married. We already celebrated that. Yeah. Uh, some months back here, but uh, we are celebrating an anniversary and Brian, Brian, tell us more about that one.
0: So this is our podcast anniversary. Thank you guys for listening and joining us. Uh, We have now been when this podcast drops, this will be just a little over two years of us coming into the studio, hanging out with Todd and sharing about marriage with you guys that are listening. And we are so grateful to everyone who has been subscribing and liking and rating that stuff. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe and rate and review. That helps other people find the podcast. So appreciated. And we love hearing from you and just knowing what you're thinking about the podcast and your thoughts and questions. And that's what we're doing today for this episode. These are actually questions from you about marriage. And we're going to celebrate our anniversary by answering your questions. This is anytime we do a conference or a seminar, our favorite, we always at the end do a Q&A session, and we love just hearing from different people as they're thinking about marriage, the specific questions that they're wrestling with. That's
1: right. It's kind of the uh, Jen and Brian unplugged, if you will, if you if you remember MTV kind of doing an unplugged thing, and we like to be able to do that and, and take your questions and help you. Uh, a lot of times, um, though, we, we do like to let people know. It's like, we're not your pastor, and because we're not, we can't just walk you along through things. We can't do the clarifying questions and get all of the data. Um, So these are more general principles to, to make sure that we're answering your question and and giving you some right principles and putting you on a right path. But please do uh, speak to your pastor about this. And of course, in situations where you'd be dealing with adultery or uh, abuse or addiction, it's very important for you to get with a licensed counselor who's a Christian to be able to walk you through those more complex issues. And we're here to destigmatize anything that would be there about therapy. It's so important for you to seek that for yourself, as well
0: as for the health of uh, your spouse and your marriage. Yeah, thank you for saying that. That's so Important. That's a that's a huge aspect of building a thriving marriage. But with that, let's jump into the first question. What? What? And I think this is this is a really good question. I think when is it okay to seek advice outside of the marriage?
1: All right. So of course, I, I just said if we're dealing with uh, addiction, abuse, adultery so important for you to make sure that you're getting with a licensed Christian therapist and you can find that kind of data. Uh, usually your church is going to have some resources for you there. But also, it, I, sometimes it's, you know, I, I'm having a bit of a problem with my spouse. I, I'm not sure how to deal with this. And and when is it okay to to seek that kind of um help outside the marriage like talking to a friend talking to a family member um talking to a pastor talking
0: to your mom
1: sure just different <laughs> things like that but it's like when um would that be okay and and to me I think it's more important the who over the when and what I mean by that is who would you be talking with and who would you be confiding yeah. in about something like that because I I think that what's tough is I think pretty universally If you're going to a a girlfriend or a mom, a brother, uh, a group of friends, uh, work colleagues and saying, you know, I'm having some trouble. And, you know, my spouse is annoying me and you keep going back to them for stuff or even if it's just a one off, if it was like a big fight or something, those people are going to want to rally around you and they're going to want to be very offended on your behalf about your spouse. And then if you're taking your spouse to a family party or a work gathering or out with friends They might be looking at your spouse askance, even if you've resolved that issue in the marriage. So I think you have to be very selective about who you're speaking with, and that person has to really know you, really know how to support you and see you as this married entity and want to support you as a human being, but also support you as a, as a married individual and wants your marriage to grow and thrive. So that person who you'd be confiding in, I, I think that these people are going to be very few and far between. And again, if you're experiencing something going on in your marriage where it, it, you think that this is abusive or you think that there's an addiction going on, there's adultery. We already talked about a therapist, but just for more situations where it's annoyances um, yeah. or, or some problems here and there, you need to, to be speaking with somebody um, who is going to be supportive of you and supportive of your marriage.
0: Yeah. You need to, I mean, I think that's a really good point. You want to talk to people who are Mm pro-marriage. So the last person you want to talk to when you're having marital problems is that friend that just got divorced. Sure. Because they're hurting, they're in pain, and they're going to see your problem through their recently failed marriage, the lens of that.
1: And And you don't want to join that club.
0: It's not a club you want to be part of. But the other thing that I think is really important is both of you need to agree that it's okay to talk about this outside the marriage. Obviously, therapy, talking to a pastor is one thing. But if you're talking to mom, you're talking to the guys at work, whatever it is, it's one thing to talk about family life. I mean, we all do that. But if it's something where you're seeking advice, like I'm struggling with this situation in my marriage, and I'm looking for some help and guidance in that Never take that to someone else without agreeing that it's okay. If it's something about the kids and you're disagreeing on if you should get them this toy or and it's a heated agreement or you're disagreeing about discipline, you don't want to take that outside the marriage and then come back and say, well, Bob down at the gas and go, I told him about this and your spouse didn't approve that because you want to make sure that the people that are talking to you are pro that, but also you never want your spouse to feel like other people are going to look down on them or see them in a negative light because of this, or that they would be embarrassed to share this particular issue with that person. So you have to agree on the who and the what of what's going on.
1: And I think some of it too is when you wouldn't have to Ask your spouse about it. uh, Going to somebody else is if it's if it's more of a general thing that you would be asking about how somebody handled something within their marriage. Like if you're trying to figure out how to spend the holidays, just with which side of the family. I think you don't have to get into. And my spouse and I are disagreeing about this, but just saying, hey, how did you handle this in your family? And I think that that's absolutely fine. I will say you don't want to be confiding in a member of the opposite sex. Because that can lead to a lot of problems. Uh, There's somebody at work, something along those lines. That's a good
0: point. You don't want to create an intimacy that shouldn't be formed. So absolutely. We're going to move on to the next question. How do you raise kids when you have different backgrounds, opinions, and traditions? For example, dealing with Santa. And we did an episode on this back in January. You can go back and look at that if you're interested. But I think that this is a good question to answer. How do you raise kids when you have different backgrounds, different ideas about it?
1: Oh, and, and I think that you're, you. sometimes I'm thinking of this just kind of the, the clash uh, of uh, different kind of cultures, subcultures, my big fat Greek wedding, one through three, there you go, as to how you'd be handling so, some of these things. And a lot of it is the communication and coming together and just saying, how can we blend these positive aspects and how can we potentially consciously dump and get rid of some things that that we experienced growing up that we thought were negatives.
0: What I would say to you is focus on your desired outcomes and values with your children. So what are you looking for and be careful about what your desired outcomes are because if your desired outcomes are all your children are doctors and lawyers, they have free agency, but what you're looking for is building character and building in your family values. These are so for us, we're the Harveys. The Harveys are the, this kind of family and we're these this kind of people. And so rather than focusing on the traditions and the what's, focus on the why. And you may find that You can blend these traditions seamlessly in some cases. For instance, what's the why about how you're going to celebrate Christmas? If there's a cultural way to do this, what are the values behind that? Are you from a culture where, hey, I want to make sure that my children know their Irish, Midwestern, German... Um, Russian, Chinese, whatever culture that is, if you want to make sure your children know that, you've got to come up with the values and make those decisions around the values that you have.
1: And I think our next question, just jumping into that, this this is a really tough one um, that, that we've been asked. It's what's the best way to build trust after repeated infidelity, and, and that is just such a, a tough thing just uh, for for uh, the individual that sent that in. I mean, that that just breaks my heart, and I'm just so sorry for uh, your experience and uh, what's gone on in your marriage. I think that there's a lot of help out there. We've already talked about Christian licensed therapists. You you, you really need to make sure that you're seeing some therapist about that who is uh, Christian and reputable, and make sure your your spouse is getting that kind of help as well. But as you're doing that and and rebuilding trust, rebuilding your marriage, I I think it's important for there to be a lot of accountability and a lot of boundaries that are, are put in place so that that trust can grow.
0: And like Jen said at the beginning, we're not your pastors. We can't be pastors. A podcast can't be your pastor. So the big thing I think of when I think about this, it takes a lot of patience. There's no quick fixes. I remember when I was a kid, my dad was trying to teach me about trust and he used, um, he pulled out a rubber band and he talked about how trust can be stretched and he would stretch the rubber band and he'd stretch back and forth and trust can be stretched and stretched. But at some point, if you stretch it too far, the rubber band breaks and he broke the rubber band. And that rubber band will never be the same again. Now, you can tie a knot in it. You can do a lot of things to reconnect those ends. And that knot may make that rubber band so it's harder to break. Trust may be harder to break down the road, but it's never going to be the same. And that's horrible that trust was broken when that happened. But it's okay that trust won't be the same because you can get through this. We've seen and heard so many stories of couples who their marriage is thriving now. And while they never would wish to have someone else experience that infidelity, they wish for themselves they never had to experience. They've learned through time and patience to trust each other again. And if you are the one that broke trust, you need to understand it's going to take a lot of time. And you've got to accept you broke trust it's there, there's going to be a lot of suspicion there. And that doesn't mean forgiveness doesn't exist and hasn't happened, but it takes time. And if you are the one who, whose trust was broken, if you want this marriage to thrive, you've got to forgive and you've got to give opportunities and slowly and carefully working with a counselor, a therapist, come up with the appropriate ways to take those next risks, those next risks to build that relationship together.
1: And uh, our fourth question is, we seem to hear about husbands wanting sex more often. So how do you navigate when the wife seems to need sex more than the husband? I'm, I'm guessing that the, then the
0: husband would follow that's, yeah, I think in that's the probably sentence. What
1: yeah, I think that's what they're getting at. And and, and of course, you know, I, Did I think- it just get a little hot in here? Uh, that's funny. Um, my, my question, I, I suppose, on, on that one is, of course, I'm thinking that a lot of times, people would just kind of laugh at this, and we we don't want to dismiss the question because I'm sure there are some dudes saying, "Ha ha, I wish my wife wanted it more than I do," but that's not what we're we're talking about here. In the respect that this isn't your your marriage, if that's the case, but if one spouse wants to experience sex more than the other spouse, whether it's a husband or or a wife, I think it's important for you two to again clearly communicate and just kind of figure out and decide together what are we going to try. You know what what amount of times per week or however that's going to be, but you have to come to a, a good decision together, and that can just be an amount that works for you for the time being, and that can be altered, changed up. It, you know that can just be for maybe a period of time. We're going to try to do this uh, for X amount of times uh, per week for a month, and then readdress it and just do what you can do to make sure that that is. Something that works for the both of you.
0: So communicate, communicate, communicate. That's essential. In reading about marital sex, one of the things that's relevant, and Jen talked about blushing before um in an earlier episode where she's gonna blush again now. Oh boy. The reality is one of the things that is a real thing, and it is hard for me to say. The orgasm gap. The reality is, guys, it's easier for us to finish than it is for our wives. And a lot of times the issue is that women will be looking for more frequency, but what they're really looking for is better quality. And so communicate, communicate, communicate. Ladies, tell your husbands what you want, tell them how what what you what feels good where that's taking you, all those things. And guys, be open to, unfortunately, culturally, there's this thing where it's like, guys, like this idea of how can you satisfy a woman, blah, blah, blah. Get all of that crap out of your head because that's not what other people are saying about sex is not relevant. It's what's going on in your marriage between the two of you and be open to listening to your wife. And she's not emasculating you. She's not saying you are less masculine or or manly. She wants to connect with you more and enjoy sex with you more. And that's what you want to. And so communicate, 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 be open to trying things. But if there is a line in the sand that you will not cross, be honest with that. It's like, that thing makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. But Take experiment and enjoy that. And you're going to find the more you communicate, then this will probably be less of an issue because you've come up with this together and you're enjoying um, this aspect of your marriage together.
1: So our fifth and final question here, we we actually expounded on this more so in a separate podcast episode, but we keep getting this kind of a question. So you know, really. Smart uh, participants in some of our conferences and and folks who are uh, messaging into us uh, at the podcast. So the question is, what do you do if your love languages conflict or collide uh, with each other? And that really comes out of uh, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. Yeah. And uh, not everybody has the same love languages as to how they express love or how they receive love. And it's important for us to kind of figure out if they're very different um, for you and your spouse. H- how do you best navigate that? And um, we've talked about becoming more kind of bilingual, if you will, or trilingual, maybe when you're uh, talking about uh, love languages. And it's like, just because your spouse loves you and you love your spouse, it, it doesn't mean that uh, you- it's going to always be message communicated and, and sent well and message received well. So it, it's important to be able to find out what are your spouse's love languages so that you can communicate to your spouse in those ways. But I think the upgrade on that is if you can see your spouse expressing love to you and you receiving it like that, even if it's that's not your primary love language.
0: Yes, I think you nailed that. I think that's we've nailed got to,
1: it. Thank you. Got, you. Just I hope So try <laughs> to be helpful.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything that it's just it's learn to translate. I'm I'm a nerd. Anyone who knows me, I'm a big nerd. I like languages. I studied German for a while in college and high school, and then of course in seminary, I had to study Greek and Hebrew. I think languages are cool. And yeah, you've got to learn. Okay, donkashun means thank you.
1: Donkashane, <laughs> oh darling, donkashane.
0: Sorry, I should have known better. I should have used okay shakran means thank you in Arabic. So. You have to translate Uh-oh. that. I,
1: I could sing Chakron.
0: I don't know that there's a song. Hopefully, Barry Manilow doesn't come up with a new one on that one. Was that Barry Whoa, Manilow?
1: Chakron, that... my darling, no Chakron.
0: Anyway, learn to translate. For you, if you're very, um, if for whatever reason, physical touch isn't your love language, learn to translate that hug means the same thing as buying a gift. You know, if quality time is your thing, then acts of service isn't, consider, hey, they just did the dishes that you would normally do and translate that and learn to process that. It's also important to not just translate what you're receiving as love. You need to learn to translate and start practicing communicating in their language, Mm -hmm. which means if you're a gift giving person, but your spouse is a quality time person. You need to start practicing, okay, I don't really like this, but maybe we can, I don't really want to spend money on a movie or I don't want to do this. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone because I love you that much. And so learn to hear their love language as love, but also learn to love them in their love language.
1: And have your spouse explain and you explain to your spouse, you know, what does that that mean to you? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, no, you know, your your love language is gift giving. So that means my budget. uh, Oh, my gosh, this is going to be horrible. And it's like, well, usually that's not the case. It's just the idea of I I thought of you ahead of time. And, you know, I'm I'm getting you this smaller thing like a candy bar or uh, something like that. So just uh, talk about what those that expression of love language. What does that mean to you?
0: Remember, your desire is to be close. And so figure out it doesn't have to be extravagant to be close. Sometimes the simplest things are the best. That wraps up two years of the operation. Whoop, whoop. Happy anniversary. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you guys listening. Um, really love your questions. Please um, keep sending them in at OperationThrivingMarriage.com. You can send us a voicemail or you can send us a message through the website. We love hearing from you. And don't forget to rate and subscribe and recommend or review the podcast so that this gets out to more people. We'd love to hear from more people and share these things with them. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog, and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.